Clancy Pasta presents Accidents Happen, written by Kale and Ryan 13. I don't know what we discovered. I know it's something dangerous, and I know that the urban legends we were told might carry an ounce or two of truth now. That's about all I can tell you. I work for a mining corporation that I will not name, just to protect myself and my company after our findings. We operate almost all around the world and have multiple businesses that work under us. Lots of people call us corrupt. I think business is, in and of itself, a corrupt game. A large group of miners, including me, were recently sent to a cave in the Sonoran Desert of Mexico. The cave doesn't have an official name. It's deep in the desert, far from any civilization. It started to build up an online reputation, though, and has a nickname. Cueva de los Perdidos, or Cave of the Lost. The locals speak of ghosts, demons, paranormal occurrences, disappearances, and cave accidents and tragedies. Many are cliché stories, probably adapted from other urban legends just to fit the narrative of the cave. The most famous story of them all recounts how God began to cast his rejected beings into the cave, where they grew in hatred of him and started to plot vengeance through the destruction of his creations. I laughed at first when told that we would be prospecting in the cave. Seems pretty foolish of me now. So, our boss wanted us to check out the cave, see if there was any business worth doing. Rumors had been spreading around of mysterious new ores and rocks being found down in the caverns, though very few mining operations had been done in the cave before. Suppose my boss was trying to capitalize on the rumors. So, two months ago, our flights landed down in Mexico, and we transitioned all of our gear, tools, and technology into the Sonoran Desert over the course of a few days, where we spent a night camping out in the desert. We gathered our tents in a large circle around the cave entrance, singing and dancing, drinking all night. The campfires blazed, and as the gusts and gales blew across the sands, they carried the embers of the campfires with them. One wind flew in that was strong enough to put all the fires out simultaneously. Our drunken crew burst into laughter. I turned around and saw a quiet miner sitting at the edge of the party on a log. He was alone. He sat with a flask in his hand taking slow sips. He chewed on his lower lip and couldn't seem to sit still, readjusting his legs, arms, and hands every few seconds. The next morning we began to go down into the caves, setting up support beams and putting down scaffolding as we went along. A lot of progress was made in the first few days. A week or two had passed before we'd found any difference in the shape of the caverns. The cave was unnatural, almost blocky like someone had carved it out themselves and shaped it into the form of an underground dungeon. The tunnels appeared like hallways and corridors. The main stretch of cavern itself began to follow a semi-pattern, a spiral almost like it was a massive staircase. You entered the cave from the top, walked down a long tunnel, then found yourself dropping down onto another level with another corridor, which dropped into another corridor. We managed to get deep underground with ease. Nobody talked about the odd patterns. Hundreds of platforms, ladders, and support beams later, we were almost halfway through the cave, at least judging by the estimates. The distance we covered daily began to decrease after that. Plenty of ores had been found already and taken back up to the surface, and other minerals and rock samples were brought up as well, thought to be scientific discoveries. 
We went deeper still in time, but the cave started to become less recognizable. The pattern was broken. We reached a crossroads where multiple tunnels now intersected. Our boss ordered us to split into groups, and we began a day-by-day scan of each tunnel to see where they led. My group hadn't been exploring for too long when I noticed a pile of skeletons and other remains. None were human. There was a single corpse that was still rotting, that of a dog, except it had sharper, more pronounced teeth, like fangs. The rest of its body was too decayed to make out any other details. The carcass was wrong, almost like it was backward or upside down. The bone structure wasn't correct. Its head was misshapen, the legs weren't facing the right way. After finding the pile, a cold wind blew through the caverns, and I shivered. Shit ain't normal. Something's down here for sure, said one of the miners. Yeah, the monster under your bed? I replied, chortling. My wisecracking couldn't make the mushy feeling inside of me disappear. The miner replied with some insensitive joke about my mother, and we laughed. Glances were exchanged between us all as we left behind the remains. I held my breath. For the rest of the day, hardly anyone spoke a word to each other. Every step down the tunnels felt like a step farther into hell. You know that don't-fuck-with-me feeling you get in just before a fistfight? I was starting to get that feeling from the caverns. We returned to the surface a few hours later with plenty of progress made. The other tunnels of the crossroads were later that night discovered to fray off into other directions. More piles of skeletons had been found, though none as large as the first. Our boss was confronted later that night about it all. A group of us, including myself, cornered him nearby the entrance to the cave. First pile wasn't that scary. Now we've seen more. You can't tell us there isn't something dangerous down there now, can you? Said a miner. I watched our boss break into a sweat. Look, there has to be something rational to explain all of that. The caves are barren. You've seen it. Whatever is killing everything has to already be dead itself after beating out its competition. Don't you think? He tried to rationalize. Now, all of you can stop complaining immediately or your pay is going to get docked. Understood? Nobody said a word, but everyone did leave him behind with a cold stare before turning in the opposite direction and climbing into their tents. The mattress of my bed felt like cement underneath me. I couldn't get comfortable, no matter how I sprawled myself out. I remembered how the other miners tried to drink it off. I took a sip of whiskey, rolled over, and fell asleep in an instant. The next morning we continued to explore down into the caverns. A lot of the day was spent traveling through what we had already explored, trying to get back down to the bottom. One of our miners threw up, splattering vomit all over the wall as we started to travel down one of the tunnels at the back of the caverns. They were taken back up to the surface and didn't come back down for two days. It seemed the walls of the tunnel were beginning to close in on us the farther we walked. The caves were starting to get colder, too. I felt a chill shoot up my back, and somewhere in the recesses of my mind, I heard the slithering and rattling of a snake. It hissed just before I snapped back into reality. There were tiny etches in the tunnel walls, like the drawings of kindergartners or cavemen. I observed them and figured they could still be natural, due to the progressively changing texture and color of rocks. And it started off with tan and light brown, 
it was now a light gray. It went from smooth at the start to rough and crumbly, like the cave was coming closer to collapse than it was before. We reached a small intersection of tunnels, and that was when the headlight on my helmet caught a glimpse of something. Scattered papers all over the floor, and the decayed chunks of what used to be a desk. There were wooden support beams holding up the cavern. Rot riddled them. One was cracked in half, with the upper part broken on the rocky ground. I stepped over a pile of pebbles and picked up one of the papers, looking it over. The handwriting was neat and incursive, though I could hardly read the thin scratch on the paper. I gathered up all the sheets and bundled them into my bag, and then looked around to see the other miners staring at me. One swallowed hard. Another, wide-eyed, stared down one of the intersecting tunnels, the one farthest to the right. Let's go this way, he said. I made a mental map of where we were in case our group ended up getting lost. I thought about the papers again, thinking to read through them later. We started down the tunnel and found it led straight to a dead end. The wall was covered in tiny scratches, almost invisible on the surface of the rock. The sweat on my body seemed to become thicker. We all turned around, and by the time we had explored the next tunnel over, we needed to head back up to the surface. I shot one last glance behind me as we found ourselves at the original intersection, the one at the bottom of the cave. All I saw down the tunnels was endless, silent darkness. We made the same tiring climb to the surface again, yet it felt longer than it had before. One of us almost passed out from the heat. We had to hold them steady for a while before proceeding upwards. We made it back out as the sun was setting over the Sonoran Desert. The skies were pumpkin orange and filled with dry, secretive malice. The temperature was dropping with each passing minute. By the time the clouds were beginning to roll in and the wind was picking up, everything had gone black and indigo. Faint outlines and silhouettes could be seen dancing outside of my tent, which I remained inside of alone. I remembered the papers and tore open my bag in a trance, ripping them all out. I picked one up, which read at the top, June 25th, 1934. Christ, the days have been long for my crew and I. We haven't found anything of interest in those caves, other than uneasy feelings. The wind seems to blow here a lot, and it always comes during the most dramatic moments. I can't figure out why that's the only thing I think of, but... Perhaps it's because there's nothing much here to see. It's just a cave, after all. We reached the bottom yesterday. I can't wait to see what else we come across tomorrow. I'll keep a note of it all in here, and perhaps I'll have at least one good story to tell my wife by the time I get back from this expedition. John Wilson I felt a rock in my stomach after I finished reading that paragraph. I spent the rest of the night reading the papers... Most were simple reviews of the day. We didn't find much. I need to get back to my wife. I think I hate this. John Wilson. Nothing changed. I almost got bored of reading them when I came across one that caught my interest more than the others had. July 18th, 1934. A few days have passed. The cave is different now. It feels like it has a voice. That voice is urging us to leave. We came across a pile of skeletons, too. Ugly-looking things. The bone structure wasn't correct. 
It was like God himself reached his hand out of the sky and played with them until they were just mangled piles of scrap. I don't think I want to keep doing this. I haven't been the fondest of this operation the whole time, but there's some force that wants us to leave. It hasn't even had to say a word to let us know that. I swallowed, then skimmed the next few paragraphs. I came across one from a few days after that I read the entirety of. July 29th, 1934. Haven't been praying much, but goddamn, I prayed hard last night. God does not want us to keep going down there. I don't want us to keep going down there. It's where the rejects go, the failures go. It's not quite hell. It's where God's ideas that didn't work go to rest. There was another page. One word was written on it, scribbled in a manic, crazed font. Trapped. That was what appeared to be the end of the journal. I froze for a moment. My hand held a death grip on the single piece of paper. I tossed it aside, rolled over, and shut my eyes as tightly as I could. I decided I would talk to our boss the next day to see if we had to keep going down there. In my heart, I knew the answer. The morning came. I woke up in a haze, rubbed the sleep out of my eyes, and drank a pot of coffee in record time. I went out to find my boss, carrying the crumpled up papers from the night before. He was standing, staring into the caverns, his hand clasped behind his back, and eyes squinted. The sky was painted orange and violet. Can you explain this? I unballed the piece of paper and shoved it into his hands. Found it in the caverns yesterday. I folded my arms and tapped my foot as he eyed it down, looking at me occasionally. He gave me a long stare before he handed it back. His lips were pursed, eyes like that of a snake's. You still want us to go down there, don't you? I asked. There was no rubble where we found this journal. He wasn't trapped by rocks. There was no cave collapse, and there's no evidence of it either. Something happened down there. You're overhyping all of this. Crazy shit happens in caves all the time. Don't like it? Don't sign up for the job. I'm warning you. Don't get in my way, my boss said. I stared at him for an entire minute, counting the seconds. He turned to the cave and refused to look me in the eyes. I watched a bead of sweat form on his forehead. You know you're wrong. Hope you can live with that, I said, turning away. We went back down into the cave soon after. My skin felt icy. There was a strong, almost impossibly cool draft of air. I felt it brush against my flesh, all of my hair standing on end. Something warmed inside me, crawling through my guts. I wanted to throw up all over the walls and run in the other direction. Like John Wilson, we found nothing of interest that day other than uneasy feelings. The only difference being, John wasn't prepared for when we would find something of interest in the coming days. I was. That night, I prayed hard, just like John had. It was the first time in my life I'd ever prayed. I lived most of my days believing in nothing but luck and the natural law of the universe. When I was young, I'd even used to make fun of the more devout of the Christians at my school. I went to bed feeling like the world had stopped spinning on its axis and was just dead weight, 
floating in the blackness of space. Incoherent whispers rambled in the back of my mind. I fell asleep and went straight into a dream. I woke up, surrounded by piles of rotting corpses and skeletons. All were mangled, God's action figures per se, bent in all the wrong places. Some had fangs when they shouldn't have, others had teeth, scales, and claws. I saw a single human body. Its flesh was still decomposing. The eyes were sunken like a shark's. Black and purple rimmed the eyelids. The mouth sprang away into rotten flesh, was curled into a ghoulish grin. Yellow, unnaturally, large teeth revealed themselves behind the gray, cracked lips. There were strange symbols appearing in front of me, like eye floaters. I tried to read them and couldn't. I jolted awake, almost grabbing the bowie knife that sat near my bed. I could tell through the fabric of my tent that the sun wasn't rising yet. We all ate, gathered our tools, and made the trek into the caverns once more. The walk was long. Somebody vomited again. Their pukes splattered the walls and dripped down, and briefly took the shape of one of the symbols I had seen the night before, almost something like a triangle. I felt thick, acidic vomit rising up my throat like a gushing volcano, and I spat it out in a stream, wiping my mouth. Everyone stared at the small splotch of reddish-orange on the ground, then glanced back at me. I swallowed hard and didn't say a word. It took us longer than it should have to reach the bottom. We walked past the pile of skeletons once more, and I felt a shiver run through me as I remembered the human from the dream the night before. Its shark-like, hungry eyes, a devilish smile. It wasn't a clever thing, it was animalistic. It didn't believe in anything other than the hunt, and it told me all of that with a simple show of its face. I wondered if I'd encountered the same body down in the mines. Our group took a few steps forward to a tunnel that had been relatively unexplored so far. The rock around the entrance of it was dark gray in color. Shadows loomed and stretched across the stone corridor. My blood started to boil inside of my veins. The smell of the skeletons and the corpses never left my nostrils, always lingering on the bare edge of my senses, almost like they were taunting me. I started to feel hungry, my stomach growling and clawing at my insides. I watched the shadows along the walls as our flashlights shined beams of white into the darkness. The tunnel grew more narrow. The taller men had to duck their heads a little. We came to a fork in the path. It split off into six different directions. I remember staring down each and seeing the same in every tunnel. Nothing but shadows shrouding the horrors that tainted the caves. Farthest left, let's move, barked the leading man. We walked down the tunnel. I heard echoes of dripping sounds from somewhere ahead of us. Gurgling water could be heard too. A wind of chilling air brushed my hair, and I sniffled. My flesh bubbled up as it became colder. Sure as hell isn't getting any warmer, I thought to myself. My heart started to thump inside my chest. Every footstep resonated like a choir of galloping horses. The roof got lower and the ground became stonier. 
I shined my light along the floor and watched a small bug scuttle away from me. I had a duck just to make sure I didn't hit my head against the roof of the cave. Our leading miner turned towards us, his eyes wide and round. They sparkled like glittering diamonds, blazed with suppressed thoughts and feelings. We're going to split into two groups to get more done today. I want to see two whole tunnels explored, at least if we can get to the end of each. He separated some of the tail end of our group off and kept the rest, including me, in the tunnel that we were already in. The march continued on, uneventfully, so the cave ceiling raised up a little. Soreness expanded through my neck and spine as I straightened my back out. I cracked the stiff joints in my neck, feeling each in a visual pop. The cave started becoming darker. The color of the rock was a darker shade of gray now, almost black. A few of the miners whispered to each other. My mind felt blank, going off of simple commands. Take a step. Take a step. We passed a couple of rotting, fallen support beams. They were cracked and splintered at multiple points. One had split completely, with one end laying ahead of the other pieces. I stepped on a splintered scrap and listened to the crunching and cracking of it under my foot. We continued to find small ruins along the way. Fragments of tables and desks, crumpled papers that I scooped up, old towels, cobwebs, anything you'd expect to find in an abandoned mine shaft. I listened in, hearing a wind echoing from somewhere in the back of the tunnels and the sound of gushing water that overshadowed it. I looked at one of the papers. The strange symbols I saw in my dream were drawn all over it, scribbled manically. I shuddered, dropping the page. It floated down to the ground, flipping over as it went. There were more symbols on the back as well, three whole paragraphs of them. Another miner looked at the paper and frowned. His eyes started to grow wider. The hell is that? he asked. I stared at the paper and shrugged, not speaking a word. Are you okay? he questioned. Me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm alright. Place just creeps me out a little, I said. He nodded his head, teeth bared in a grimace. We went deeper. In a few minutes, we discovered a pit. I studied its shape. There were corners, and along the edges, there were walkways. The sound of the water grew deeper here, like it surrounded me. I coughed, feeling like I was drowning. A puddle of vomit shot from my nostrils and mouth and landed somewhere below in the darkness. A sourly bitter taste of puke hung at the back of my throat. My nostrils sizzled. Scanning the area, I saw nothing but the pit. I shined my headlight along the edge, watching bugs scurry towards us like they were running from something. One began to crawl up my leg, so I shoot it off. The same one came back just a moment later. That was when I heard a deafening, blood-curdling scream. All of the miners turned and stared at our leading man. His own eyes were slick and oily, and his mouth was twisted into a scowl. Tingles shot through me. My knees became weak, and they were going to give out. There was a loud roar, like that of a lion, and other beastly sounds. A few more screams from other miners broke the silence. All of us stood. A few started to run away, but most of us stayed in place. 
I felt sweat in my palms and in my armpits. The cave fell silent after that, other than the sound of the gushing water. We're going back up, now. Just stay calm. They could have just been caught in a collapse, said our leading man. Caught in a collapse? Can you explain all that noise then? Asked somebody from the group. Sure as hell can't, but I'd like to keep my sanity. Let's get going. We scrambled out of the tunnel. Most speed walked, a couple sprinted. The rest, like me, took up a slow jog. I heard the soft padding of feet behind us, claws raking against the stone ground. There was a low growling from somewhere. That's when everybody began to sprint. Tools were discarded and backpacks were left behind. I fought the urge to look behind me. There was a loud hissing, almost like a hybrid between a bee and a rattlesnake. I heard a monkey-like shriek. We approached the end of the tunnel and all squeezed between the tight spaces. I got stuck in the very back and had to listen to the charging creatures the whole way along. One of them whispered to me, laughing in between their words. Their voice was shaky and hypnotic, carrying a weird rhythm. We emerged from the other side. I shot one last glance around and caught a glimpse of a bright, wispy eye. It glowed red. We charged to the nearest ladders and climbed out. A few miners screamed, now. I helped one of them climb up as vomit dribbled from their mouth and down their shirt. The light of the surface was slowly starting to draw closer. I felt a winding sigh escape from me. All of us rested for a moment on a rocky ledge, drinking from our water bottles and drawing in deep breaths. The coppery, metallic scent of blood started to waft up from somewhere in the bottom of the cave. Every one of us began to retch and vomit while coating the cavern walls. What the hell is going on, someone said, nearly choking on their own puke. We finished, wiped our mouths, and continued our journey back up to the surface. All of my muscles tensed up every time I reached for another rung of the ladder. We walked along one of the wider stretches of the cave, then found another set of ladders and went up. We were nearing the surface when we encountered another group of miners who were ahead of us. Hey, said our leading man. They turned around. They were drenched in sweat, panting heavily. What happened? Davis went missing, heard all the screams, and got out of there. We came out of the caverns like a battalion of marching soldiers. Every single miner in the camp surrounded the boss's tent. One of the leading miners shouted insults at him for five minutes until he came out, his face not unlike that of a criminal who's been caught red-handed. Look, it could have just been a cave-in or something. You never know. Relax. They can't find their bodies if it did collapse. Too dangerous, said the boss. Now, will all of you back off? What, are you going to send us back down there? Tell us to rub some dirt on it, General Eisenhower? Are we your fighting boys now, going to get the Krauts at Bastone? Someone taunted. He looked down and away, and then gulped. The rest of the day, the entire camp was filled with whispers about the boss. He's not going to do shit about it, is he? Someone asked me. I took a long sip from a flask. We'll see about that. Our boss was found hanging in his tent the next morning. 
the entire camp packed up and left for home. I haven't gone to work or been sent any news about new expeditions since I returned home. I've been having visions at night. Even though I forget them when I wake up, I know I've been having them because I see glimpses of them every day. Just short glimpses, but I never remember fully what they're about. I see the symbols sometimes, too. I can read them. I can understand the whispers better now. They're more coherent. I don't know everything that goes on down there, but I do at the same time. Like a car. You don't see the engine start, but you hear it, and you know it's running. I'll try to keep it short. Sometimes God fails when he makes things. Sometimes he needs a place to put them. And sometimes God doesn't want everybody to see that he has failed. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories at gmail.com. You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash clancypasta store. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers. <laughs>